0: All right, if you'll turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We are continuing our study. Now this is, you would think this is odd going through Chronicles and Kings, but this has been grouped in with, um, I think it is a deviation from the lesson plan, but it's included as far as the time frame where we're looking at because it is attributed to one of the Kings, who lived at that time, who we're going to look into. But he wrote, as we looked at last week, Song of Solomon, I believe we did, and uh, Proverbs before that. And this book also is attributed to Solomon, who he's going to introduce himself as a preacher. So let's just read, and then we'll make some comments and what we're going to cover this week, and then the will of the Lord will look to next week. All right, let's read Ecclesiastes 1. We're only going to read, actually, the first 11 verses. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil which he, toil, which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun arises and the sun goes down and it hastens to the place where it, it rises, the wind blows to the south and goes around to the north, around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All the streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. Man, A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Verse 10, is there a thing which could be said, This see, this is new. It has been already in ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor there any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Let's just look to the Lord. Our Father, we just thank you for this time where we can look into your word. We just ask you to open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law. In Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. So Ecclesiastes, I'm not sure how many messages you've heard or sat under from that book. It's often uh, referred to perhaps at a funeral. Um, It's better to enter the house of... Morning, rather than the house of feasting. If you've heard that before, I know there's only two instances where I've ever thought about the book of Ecclesiastes. One was that particular situation. My I was not present at the funeral, but my grandmother, who I did not know, I believe Elliot Van Ryan, actually went to it. And it made such an impact on my father that he shared that and said, oh, that's interesting. And the other time, honestly, was from an unbeliever. And he would bring out something. He would point out one verse in that. In in chapter 3, I'll just read it. It says, what happens, this is verse 19, for what happens to the children of men, uh, excuse me, verse 18, I said in my heart, regard the children of men, that God is testing them. They may see themselves but beasts. For what happens to the children of men has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to the same place, and all are dust, and to the dust they shall return. And what they were pulling out of that is look, there's no difference between man and beast. How do you explain that? And I was like, well, I mean, I didn't know where this person was going with it. Obviously, I knew they had a biasism to for uh, evolution, but he pulled out certain verses. And honestly, it's quoted. Um, I don't know if it's Christopher Hitchens or or the now um, his name. He's fleeting my memory. The other guy that's a proponent for 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 evolution and atheism. But he likes this book. What's his name? Richard. Richard Dawkins. Thank you. I think it is Richard Dawkins. But he, he quotes this book as the most intelligent, this writings found in the Bible. Now, if that guy is the one who's you know, purpo- uh, going to it and, and, and r- pulling out uh, bits of information, well, he's using it to his own advantage, of course. And, of course, it's not in context. And in the Bible as a whole, he's, he's misusing it. And so there is a sense that if you come across this book, if that's your exposure, well, then I'm a little bit shy about what's it, you know, what, what exactly is going on here. So let's just give a little background first before I look into it. Of course, um, it is attributed, if you've heard, to Solomon. There is some, I've read some debates, but for my um, understanding, it seems to be Solomon because of how he introduces himself and he's been king over Jerusalem and the fact that what he pursues in wisdom, I mean, I would think I'm, I'm tend to be you know, a little smart guy, but not compared to what Solomon's able to do and what he actually put himself to uh, and what he had as far as the, the gift of wisdom from God. But it seems to be some and it's written from what I can take, especially in the way that he's writing at the end of his life. If you remember the other books that he um, that he wrote Proverbs takes up about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then he goes on, he writes a uh, song of Solomon sometime in his life about a love story. And then at the end of his life, you see under the sun, the wisdom of man. And what is it all about? What is life about? As if he would look back at the years that he spent and all the pursuits. Look at this in verse. Um, just look over in chapter two. Let's read some of these things. Look at these things that he in, indulged himself in his life. Look at this. I said in my heart, come now, I test you with pleasure and enjoy yourself. But behold, we are not we were planning not to cover this next week. So that's why I'd like to go to it. But this is also vanity. And I said, it is laughter. It is mad of pleasure. What is it use? So I searched my, my heart how to cheer my body with wine while my heart was still guiding me through wisdom and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what good for the children of man under heaven uh, during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. I made great garden. I made myself gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools of water for the forest and growing trees. I bought my I bought male and female slaves and whatnot. It keeps on going on everything that you would think that's a pleasurable avenue in this life. He examined it. Now, I just want to quote a few things. Now, what we're looking at is what we're going to the theme is really what is the meaning of life and what is it all about? And that's really what Stallman's going to look going to examine. Now, we can say, well, that's for him to, you know, that, I, I don't know if I want to take him at his word. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a program, and I'm not uh, promoting it in any way, but it caught my attention one time. But it's one of, the I think, the best things that ESPN ever produced. It's called 30 for 30. But what they do is they, take, they capture sports stories. And especially I really like it when they look at a, an, a, some kind of sports figure, you know, past, present, um, whatever it is. But they, they chronicle his life in detail. And you know what is very consistent in all these stories? There's a high, and then there's a low, and then where does that person go after that? I'm telling you, it's the greatest preacher if you want to find out about what you're pursuing with your life. Because if you look at that person, it seems like they had everything. And last one, I was just uh, one of the last ones I was just watching was on Bobby Hurley, but I didn't really know him too well. I didn't follow him. I remember seeing jerseys uh, when I was younger. You know, I was in preteen, teenage years, but apparently he had everything for him. He was one of the top picks in, the, in, the, in basketball. He was a basketball player, very good, uh, highly touted basketball player. He enters in, signs a big contract, 16 days into the season, a, a car crash that almost killed him. And he ends up uh, pretty much wrecking his body, but to the point where he wasn't able to come back to the explosiveness that he entered the, the NBA draft. Now you think, what is next now? What is this guy going to turn to? He even tells you the low points that he went to. He tried to fight back. He ends up coming back, but he wasn't the same person. And this is what I found most interesting. And of course, this is produced by uh, you know, unbelievers, and you know, they're not going to go into all details. But what he ends up finding is the moral of his story is that basketball was his life. But he even tells you that he felt empty. There was nothing there. When it was taken from him, what does he have to turn to? And sometimes people and, you know, they pursue these meat, they pursue whatever they pursue and they find the end. It's not worth it. Look at these five quotes. I just quoted, I just pulled these quotes out of the meaning of life. Now, these are five different um, people from different walks of life. Some of them are dead. Some of them are alive. They're religious leaders. They're writers. They're actors. But look at this. I'm just going to go through and read them. This is from Joseph Campbell. He wrote a book called The Power of the Myth and, And and the man from I can tell is an unbeliever, but he he compares all the, you know, the stories in the Bible and he compares them to ancient Indian uh, folklore. And he, he, you know, he he tries to make them sound like all the same story. But this is this is his uh, this is his answer. This is what his view of life is. Life has no meaning, period. Talk about depression. Each of us gives it meaning to each of us has meaning. We bring it to life. It is a waste to be asking the question. When you are the answer, this is from the current Dalai Lama. We are visitors on this planet. Therefore, uh, we are here for 90 or 100 years at the very most during the period. We must try to do something good, something useful for our lives. If you contribute to people's happiness, you will find the true goal and the true meaning of life. Look at this one. This is from another writer called Henry Miller. Life has been giving a meeting because it because of the obvious fact it has no meaning. And this one, these last two, I found extremely insightful because the person was honest. This is from a quote from Jim Carrey. I believe he is still alive, but he's an actor. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who's honest. And look at this one. This guy, of course, he is dead, but he's uh, one of the top leading uh, scientists, science minds in all of human history. Albert Einstein, life is directed chiefly towards the fulfillment of personal desire. Sooner or later, though, it always leads to bitter disappointment. And now we're not here to depress you, but we're here to tell you that Ecclesiastes reveals these things. It's a wisdom book, and it should be approached that way, that here's a man who dedicated himself to finding out, well, what is it all about? What am I pursuing? Is it going to mean anything in the end? And in particular, if you want to look at a key verse in this, cha- in this book, look in chapter 3. We are going to go here, I think, next week in the will of the Lord. But this, if you want to just summarize the book into one verse, look at this. Or a couple of verses. Verse 11. We'll read it for context sake at the beginning, but I want to focus in on the second part. He has made this God everything beautiful in its time also god or he has put eternity in man's hearts yet so he cannot find out what god has done from the beginning to the end and so you me are a complex being we are built with three distinct parts and i wish we can go into this and what exactly these parts the the body soul and spirit but What I'll give you is two verses just to identify that we are a three-part being. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this, that may God, may the God of peace sanctify you completely, that your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it identifies three different parts of man. It's not just Brian, the body, but there's also a soul and spirit. Look in also Hebrews 4.12. It says this, for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two edged sword for the piercing and division. Look at this, the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow and the discerning of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the word of God is able to get so deep, not even superficially, but to divide between your soul and spirit, what you can't even touch and feel, but that's who you are. And so man, according to Ecclesiastes, God has made them, but he set something inside of them and he calls it eternity and he set inside of them something that is uh, a a spirit. And what happens is, is that man and sometimes Christians can be caught up in this, is that they spend all their life uh, uh, fulfilling the one part, the body and then never satisfying the other two, the soul and the spirit. And what does it lead to? A lot of life of disappointment. And that's why you see a lot of high, even in this country, really around the world, too, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, any kind of addiction or abuse, suicide, because at the end what they find is, What's it? I, there's nothing there. I spend all this time fulfilling and, and satisfying the body. But never what God has set inside of them, eternity, the spirit and the soul, never satisfying or never even giving any attention to those other things. And they can live a full life of unfulfillment. And when they get to the end, they don't know what it's about. So Solomon gives us this book of wisdom. And we know from the New Testament that all scripture is God breathed and it's given for four different reasons how to stay right, how to get right, how to uh, keep from not doing right or to know what's right and wrong and to continue in training in righteousness. And that's exactly what we have here is a book of wisdom that God has given to us. And this is, you know, this is for all ages. It's not just for young people. You know, you can read. um, There's 12 chapters here. David uh, gave a song that is at the beginning uh, where we sang a song that's at the beginning of chapter 12. And. And that's where he summarizes uh, what he's been talking about. But it's really for the young people as well because, you know, think about when you are young or, or you just you feel like you've got your whole life ahead of you. And I remember thinking, I consider myself too old. I know the further older I get, I consider that still be young, but I'm you know not getting older and it's kind of weird how I play around with those, those numbers. But, you know, when you're 21 or 25, you think 10 years from now, 35, 31. Oh, man, it's so old. And then you get there, you're like, well, no, maybe 41's pretty old and 45's pretty old. And then you keep pushing it forward. But really, 10 years goes by quickly. I remember people telling me, like, ah, oh, nah, Man, I couldn't wait when I was between 15 and 18 to get out of high school. I didn't know what was going to happen after that. The only thing I cared about was playing volleyball. You know, that's the only thing I, I liked high school. I mean, it did pretty well in high school. But I didn't know what happened next. I wish I would have paid more attention. But... Man, I couldn't wait to get a high school looking for the next thing. But then, man, 10 years goes by quickly, even if you're given that, even if you're given that slice of time, it goes quickly. And what better way than to find out how to conduct your life with a perspective that is from God and not just under the sun? So what we're going to look at is sort of an introduction, but is really the looking at the meaning of life and what is it all about. And in the first chapter, he's going to pull out examples in nature, and he's going to just pull out the – he's going to look at things that happen in nature and says, look at this, it's just a cycle over and over. It's like a washing machine. You know, you you turn it to – you know, we got this – I think it starts with 18 minutes, but it does the same thing, 18 minutes, then it turns to, I don't know, spin – And it goes to wash and then it does this. I mean, it's the same thing over and over and over again. And he looks at nature, says, look, look at what happens in nature. It also happens in life. And it's monotonous. It's monotonous. Very cyclical. But we're also going to look at um, I'd like to pull out some application in that. So we're going to look at four different things. Actually, we're going to mention a few more. But in particular here in chapter one. So we mentioned about who this person was. I didn't I didn't say too much, but I like to go back to the preacher. Um, it's also it's also uh, there it was a uh, there's a keynote here that the preacher also means in the Hebrew, the collector. I like that. I like that because here's a person towards, you know, maybe the end. But he's lived some time to be able to collect all the things that he's gone through. And now he's going to present them to us. The collector, the preacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. What does man gain from the toil from which uh, what does man gain by all the toil which he toils under the sun? And so really, that's the perspective that we're given. You got to remember this as we go through this book is under the sun. You know, I've ever think about when we think about perspective. um, I remember Larry Price telling me a story. um, Him and Wanda were on a cruise. But they were in, I think it was in Alaska, somewhere up there in the north. But they stopped off in an iceberg, and there was an excursion. But, you know, Larry's like, oh, you know, this is great. You know, look at all these icebergs and it's the snow. And, and he kind of sees something in the distance, and he's like, hey, can we walk over there? And, and the guy's like, the guy that took him the excursion kind of laughed, and he said, are you serious? He's like, that thing is like 10 miles away. And, and from his perspective, because everything was white, he couldn't see how the distance was. And so if you look at perspective, it's kind of, you know, there's that idea, too. But the perspective that we want to have today is, is, as it were, like a fish. You know, you think about a fish. Now, of course, it can't live anywhere else but the ocean because of its biology. But think about a goldfish or any kind of fish. All they do is just swim and look down. Look at this. Look at this. They have no idea what happens above the surface. And look at all that's happening. And sometimes we can live. In such a way that all we're looking is down and don't see anything else that happens in this life in, in this world. And really, it's a trap, right? The believer. And this is what we get from Bible has been now reconnected, right? The spirit has been made alive. You've been given new life. God has performed something in you. And now you can see, as it were, the veil turned away that this life is not just about fulfilling the physical body it isn't about feeding it. There's something more to you. And God has even built it into you that you will be dissatisfied with your own life. With the, if you do, if you go and pursue that that avenue, if that's all you do. So he's talking about under the sun. So he says this in verse four: A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Now, you might I don't know if you think when you read that verse, you're like, Oh, I know that's not going to be. You know, if you're If you're a believer, you read anything because Peter says that this present world is reserved for fire, that there is going to be a judgment. Now, what he is bringing out is a comparison because he does talk about later how this world is going to be judged. And man, this I'm sorry for jumping over. I mean, this book, it takes everything. I think we're sometimes I don't know if you come across in the Bible, I mean, living and powerful. Right. You can read something now. I don't know where you are in your readings or your daily devotions or if you ever you know, do some of that. But I would consider going through the Bible if you ever get a chance. I mean, the New Testament is great. But when you come across things like this, I mean, it's just the spirit of God can use certain things. And as if it were you know, slapping you across the face and here, I mean, here's something that I've been thinking about. But he talks about the injustice of this world and what happens to you around you. Does God even care about that? He does. He and he's going to deal with it, but he will deal with this world. But he says this, that a generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth remains forever. And so what he's looking at is the generations. What is man's life? Well, Mr. Dalai Lama, which he says about 90 to 100 years. I mean, that would be I, I would consider that a pretty long life. But in total, right, God has put a restriction after the flood. If you remember, it was 120 years. Now, that's a very long life. I think the oldest person I was reading on Yahoo was, I think, living, just died, and she was 116, 117. I mean, that's pretty long, right? But 80 to 70 years, but a generation comes and a generation goes. And if you think about, um, there were two things that I wanted to to do with with my life when I was younger, um, besides, you know, superhero and all those little childish things, but there was two things I wanted to do. Me and my cousin, when we were considering uh, Jason, he... um, he went to the fire academy, right, and, and I remember watching him. I was like, man, I think that's something, but it's like, nah. No, I kind of, I want to do this, and I want to be a police officer. I don't know why. I just want to be a cop. I, the investigation, helping people, and then the Lord just really directed me to another direction. It just didn't work out. He closed that door. The other thing was a history teacher, honestly, and I love history. But if you look at history, and sometimes I, I would go through, and, and, it's, and as time has progressed, it's great, because you used to have to go through a, a book, right, that you'd get in your class, And you go through. Now you can just look at Wikipedia, and you can look at this general, you can look at that guy, and and you can look at their life. And and really, that's all they are now. I mean, think about these great figures, Abraham Lincoln and whatnot. I mean, I don't know anything that happened then. I mean, he's he's a distant, you know, he's a poof now. I mean, he's just, he's gone almost 200 years now, right? And now, I mean, it's just, that's what land is. It's just generation comes and generation goes. And this is what he's bringing out, that the world, this rock, it stays the same and it's monotonous. And really, there's an illusion there that tricks us. And this is the first thing I want to pull out in this is that it's an illusion of permanency. And we can tend to think, well, things are just the way they are. Things are just keep on going. Nothing is changing. And that's a deception. Um, because that God has allowed this world to continue and we see the injustice and we see the the, the great dictators and all the things the horrible things that they they've done and where and people often say where was God in all this I have a co-worker and I've brought this out before that he's embittered against God because of the events that have happened in his life I mean tragic both his parents died very when he was very young very close succession order and it turned him now of course there's more to that story but that's what he's revealed to me and and what he says is where was God and he attributes well, why didn't he step in and do something? Well, the flip side is true. You know, they see they go out and do something wrong. They said, Well, God didn't strike me. Nothing happened. I'm going to continue doing it. And that's exactly what the New Testament talks about. That man's heart, even Ecclesiastes, because evil is not it's not quickly dealt with. Man's heart is continually evil and bent on doing something bad because there's no immediate response from God. If there was, we all be wiped out. Think about your own life as a Christian, right? How many times have you chosen the wrong way? And it's not that God has immediately brought some kind of punishment on you. But the the point is, is that a generation comes, a generation goes, but the earth remains, is that man is very transient. And there is an illusion of permanency that we can think and say, well, things are the way they are. And we can tend to just look, well, we're just going to continue working towards this goal and not looking out. Into what else is out there, with a perspective from God, and not just a perspective of one to the sun. And so it's very cyclical, the the way of the earth. Look at verse five: the sun arises and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place from where it arises. You no, know, if you, uh, I, I think I brought this out before, and no, I'm not complaining about my job or anything like this, but. You know, on Fridays, they, they, get, this, they get to uh, passing this around, and I have no idea where this started from. I mean, it was like, I, it's been like a year now, but everybody goes around and says, Happy Friday. I mean, it's like a fever. I mean, a per- person that's never told me that anything, doesn't even talk to me, not even a hello, how you doing, kind of like, they're like, oh, Happy Friday, Happy Friday. I'm like, <sighs> I'm like, okay, Happy Friday. What about every day happy? But what they're saying is, is it's the weekend. That's it. I've been working five days, and now I'm going to go out and do whatever. Now, Somebody's see if I'm thinking, what are you guys are you doing? week can go out and watch a movie. I don't know what they're looking for. But, you know, they're looking, though, five days a week, yes, I can get that out of the way. Now i got my two days to do whatever I want. i got my free time. But you guess what? Not long after, it's Sunday night, and uh, back to Monday, and then uh, you know, until they're <laughs> – and so, you know, we can tend to get into this. You know, it, that's what they coined that term, the rat race, Right it's just running like you're running inside some kind of like hamster ball and you're not getting anywhere but it's just a cycle it's a cycle the sun goes up the sun goes down he says it hastens to where it came up and really that's what it is the more you live how, don't you feel that time passes a lot quicker now yeah i mean once you just mentioned this <laughs> since we've uh since we've been married she's just you know we're at the beginning of now that Miles in our life but then it's already the middle of the month. Where's the time going? But it's an illusion to us because we tend to think, well, look how regular things are. And that, that clouds the way we are. And we start making these plans out in the future and not considering that's God that holds our life. And, and God, God has given us a particular slice of time. And we start thinking way in advance. Well, this is what I'm going to go. I'm going to go on this vacation. I'm going to do this. I remember thinking... Um, You you start planning out your life at one point, but not thinking about any kind of perspective that's a spiritual or in a God way, right? And we start looking, well, just as the sun comes up, the sun goes back down. And you think, well, then it's the next day. And it's the next day. Not even thinking about, well, who's guaranteeing you that you have that? Do you even have the power to guarantee yourself one more second of life? You don't. I mean, we can do things to, you know, help us prolong, take vitamins, work out, do do whatever you know we think we get ourselves in healthy shape but how many times have you seen a healthy person pass on into eternity not even by some kind of forcible or some kind of blunt trauma but a healthy person just fall over and collapse i mean there was uh talking about now going back to that 30 for 30 but they 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 focus on especially some of these basketball players healthy as can be just collapse dead 18 19 years old But then you'll see somebody very sickly, you know, go on and recover and live 120 years old and say, well, what's going on? Well, it's God that has given us a slice of time. And we we tend to just look at the regular the 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 sun coming up, sun going down day on, day out. And then the regular regularity of it, the illusion of it. And we tend to lose the um, the sight, the heavenly perspective And that's what he's bringing out, is that because the sun's going up, sun's going down, there's a surety. Life is just monotonous. There's nothing gained. Now, these last two, I think, are very uh, powerful. We're going to look into past this, but the last two in nature. The wind blows to the south and comes around to the north, and around goes the wind, and on its circuits, the wind returns. Now, what he's bringing out, there's this thing... uh, around our planet called the jet stream. It it shifts as the time goes and as the world spins, but when it's cold season, it brings down the cool air. Now, this season has been unusual mild. I mean, in May, do you ever remember it being in the low 70s? I don't ever, but I don't know what's going on, but in any case, there is cold air coming down, and then in the summer, it it shifts, right? It goes along the Creator, and that's what he's trying to point out. He's like, listen, now, this is amazing that Solomon would know this, in his time frame. But anyway, the man was very smart. But he looks at the wind. He says it just goes around and around and it comes right back to where it started. And I think this is where, and the next one, where people, especially Christians, can get caught up to is just looking at the. Andrew brought this out on Wednesday looking at the next finish line. You know, we want to look at, not, I'm not even talking about retirement, which we'll talk about, but the next achievement. Because once you get to that achievement you find out, okay, this is not as satisfying as I thought it was, I gotta look somewhere else. And then I gotta look over there and it's an illusion of of attainment. We're we we gotta look for something to build our lives into and and, and sometimes you, you, you meet people that they're always in school. Now I don't know what their their reasons is, but maybe it is to just pile on degrees. I got this degree, I got that degree, and I got this degree. And before you know it, they're 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old. Now what? They, they live their life just for some kind of attainment. It's an illusion to them. It's monotonous. And um, now I can't I'll slip my mind where it is in the New Testament, but I think it's Timothy. That it classifies certain people that um, they're always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. As if they're stuck in the mud with their car and they're stepping on the gas and they're spinning their tires and not getting anywhere. I mean, what a life. What a a disappointment that would be to realize that all you're looking for and all you're living for is some kind of attainment or trying to advance yourself and not getting anywhere. There's movement, but no advancement. Movement, but no advancement. And he looks at the wind and goes around and around and around. It might go over to Europe. It comes down through Antarctica, wherever it is, but ends up in the same place ends up in the same place. And he looks at the monotonous cycle of the wind, and we want to bring out that there's an illusion of attainment, and we need to, to look beyond that. And look at this. We're just uh, one more, and then we'll make a few more comments on the rest of our verses. Verse 7. All streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. I remember when, you know, I don't remember the age group or the age, maybe middle school, but you ever look at the rain chart, right? There's, you ever drew this or even looked it up? You know, there's some kind of puddle of water, ocean, whatever. And then there's the heat comes out and then you draw the little squiggly lines because that means it's really hot. And then it melts the water or evaporates the water and goes up in the sky, and then it accumulates in there, and then it, you know, rains back down the earth, and there's a cycle, right? But this is what Solomon's bringing out. If you look at all the streams and all the fresh water that's going, in, and, you know, this is the thing that they're all worried about now. Scientists is, is the polar ice caps are melting, but everything's flowing into the sea, but it's never full. Never full. And he's looking at it and says, how is that even possible? It's a cycle. It's monotonous. You can f- keep filling. T- I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. Think of your, your cup. You start filling it. Eventually, it's going to overflow. But there's, this is, I think, one, another thing that, especially in Christians, too, can, can get caught up in, is that they fill their lives in with things. Not spiritual things, right? Things that would uh, uh, appear or that would be good for the body. And then, the, and then at the end of their life or even some point in their life, they realize this doesn't fill me up at all. And they fill their life with things. And it's the illusion of fulfillment. Increasing but never full. They start increasing their, they, they increase the, full, uh, the, the flow of goods, uh, uh, pleasures, kids, whatever it is. You can, you can throw that into the basket and you realize in the end, it's not even worth it. It's not worth it. It didn't fulfill me. Because, why? Going back to our principle that Solomon brings out that he has set something inside of you that is not just flesh it's a spirit and it can only be satisfied by god it can only be satisfied by god and always flowing into the sea but never full and we can get caught up in that and that we can th- start filling our lives and really giving attention to the flesh and realizing that we're not filled because it can't be it can't be it's a it's a insatiable appetite that doesn 't fulfill the innermost person and man that it needs to be something that 's spiritual and look at verse nine we 'll just finish up with these last few verses is what has been will what has uh, what has been what will be and what has been done is what will be done there is nothing new under the sun now this is fascinating because you think you know you think of primitive man or man that has lived before, you think, ah, oh, they, they, were, they were kind of silly, you know? Even when you think about how um, battlefield uh, medical technology has advanced, and even before, when they had some certain sorts of infections, they would decide to to bleed that out, right? And they think, well, it's bad blood. We've got to get it out of you. Well, what were they doing? Effectively kill, killing the person, right? Because now we're giving blood to people to keep them alive, and things have gotten better, right? As science, you think, ah, oh, they were so primitive. But the point is, he's saying is that there's nothing new. And you think about all the technology we have and and uh, and ways that we can navigate the charts. Man, I was watching. Uh, uh, it was something about um, ancients navigating across the ocean. I mean, that, if you just look at the way that they took from from Europe or or from Scandinavia and they got across the water without any kind of GPS or any kind of especially motorized boats. But the way they did it and landed in a certain place and continually did it, how in the world did they do that? I mean, they used stars, but somebody had to get up there mathematically, right, calculate those things. I mean, that that's, that's an innovation, right? That takes a lot of innovation and the same amount as it would a GPS or something like that. So the principle is still there, right? The minute that somebody uh, – not invented, but somebody discovers fire, it's the same idea as if somebody were to drop the most – Uh, advanced weapon, conventional weapon that we have. It's the same idea. There's nothing new. And he's bringing out, it's just a cycle. Nothing new. What's been done has been done. There's nothing new on this Sunday. Verse 10, he says, see, this is as new. Well, it's already been done in ages before this. And so you might say, oh, look at this. This has never been done before. Well, it's because you don't really remember that well. You don't have a good memory. And uh, we tend to fall on this big time, right? You think about the, even if you just look at the styles of today and how, if you've around long enough and how even the styles of ties and what, what's in and what's not, it's almost like flashing back and then going forward. It's just one big cycle, right? Life is very monotonous, and that's what he's bringing out. He says, there is no remembrance of former things, and neither is there any remembrance of later things, and yet among those who come after. And so Ecclesiastes, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be afraid of it or fear it. Um, there are some statements in there that seem to contradict, really, with the rest of Scripture. But we remember the context under the sun, and it's a man who at the end of his life is going to reveal and collect everything that he's done. I mean, he's done things that we, we can never even... I, I could never even think about planting a forest and doing things like that. I mean, that's that's, that's wild. That's, you know, that's crazy. But the guy had the ability. He's like, you know what? I want to go do it. And the amount of pleasures that he lined up... And everything that is before us, it's funny when you're on the outside looking in, you say, oh, I can't wait to get in there. But he's telling you, listen, I've been there. It's not worth it. Remember that quote from Jim Carrey? He said this. I'm just reading one more time. I thought this was so powerful. I think everybody should be rich and famous and do something they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. The answer is somewhere that you can't see or interact with your own eyes, touch, or feel. It's something spiritual within you. And man, since the beginning of time, has been created this way, that he's body, soul, and spirit. But he chose to reject and told him to rebel against his creator. He has been severed since then, spiritually dead. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he came to this earth, uh, God's son, to die on the cross for our sins. He took upon himself the penalty and... To give you a chance to now be reconnected with with your creator and give a new life. God performs something in you and reattaching that and bringing back to life that spirit that has been dead. And that's where you'll find fulfillment. That's where you'll find meaning. That's where you'll find purpose in your God. And so I invite you today. I'm not sure where you're all at, but I will say this as a warning. And I speak to myself, too, that. Too much time spent on one part of the body, especially the outer shell, is going to lead to utter uh, unfulfillment, utter disappointment. There has to be something more. There is something more. And it's God has set something inside of you, and it's a spirit. And so if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I invite you to come to know him today. Confession with your mouth and believing in your heart. And God says that you will be saved. But if you are a believer... And you find yourself, well, you're looking around, I'm not too fulfilled. Maybe you've got to examine the avenues and the pursuits that you've chased after in your life. And so let us close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you for this message in Ecclesiastes. And uh, we just we just realize, Lord, the the more we read in your word, how infinitely wise you are, that we can look at this book and we just find things that, uh, we can model our life and structure our life and we can look at this and say uh, that you have created us in a three-part per, uh, being, Lord, and that we're not just all an outer shell. And we can spend so much time working out and, and doing all these things and neglecting the thing that really matters most, Lord. Our Our bodies are going to be put in the ground one day, but our soul and our spirit will live on. And those who know the Lord Jesus Christ will have a new body. But we just pray, Lord, that I don't know the spiritual condition of everybody in this room, Lord, but I just pray that they would get right with you today, Lord, and that they would not leave this place until they make some kind of a decision whether to receive or to reject, Lord. And so we just pray that you bring us home and safely. In the Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen.